Welcome to this episode of Focus Points. Today we're going to be looking at the book of Ruth. Even though Ruth is just one day of reading in our plan, it is a book that really does deserve a closer look because there are so many things that God is going to try to teach us in just these four short chapters. Now it's important to remember that Ruth is living during the time of the Judges. When the average Israelite, as we've seen in Judges, the book of Judges, is doing what is right in his own eyes, which means things like virtue, sacrifice, godliness, kindness. Those were some pretty rare commodities in Ruth's day. So as we see the darkness of the Judges period around the book of Ruth, Ruth and those who are doing right in her book, they are just seen as these great shining lights on a hill. And I love the message of the book. It's all about God working, God working graciously and providentially to provide for the needs of his people. God is at work. He's at work in certain ways, graciously, providentially. He's at work for his people, and he himself is going to provide what is needed. Now, as we go through this book, I'd like just to cover it, instead of looking at themes, cover the various people and characters that are found in the book. So we're going to look at four of them today and how they can help explain what is happening and the lessons that we can take away from the book. The first one I want to look at is God. How is God revealing himself through his dealings with Ruth? Well, it's important to realize that he doesn't often act right out in front. He doesn't take center stage often in the book of Ruth. A couple times it happens in chapter 1, verse 6, he visits Israel and stops the famine. In chapter 4, verse 13, he gives Ruth a child, and we see God directly acting on the behalf of his people. But most of the time, he is working behind the scenes. How do we know this? Well, we see from the book that God is working providentially. Not always miraculously like he did with plagues in Egypt or in some of the major things that he did with the conquest of the land, like having the sun stand still. But God is working through normal ways, through what seems like a chance event to fulfill his will and provide for the needs of his people. Where do we see this? Well, the biggest and most explicit example of God's providence, we actually see in chapter 2, verse 3, where it says, Ruth went and came and gleaned in a field after the reapers. And it says in the King James, her hap was too light. It's a way of saying, very tongue-in-cheek, and this happened by accident. And then you can kind of look at, you can kind of imagine the person writing down this book who gives a little smirk because it's so obvious by how, by how much emphasis he's putting on it was an accident, it was by chance. We look at it and say, no, no, there's no way that this was by chance. And that's exactly what we're meant to consider in this verse. It's kind of like what my dad used to do growing up when we'd be coming home from church on a Sunday night and the car would kind of take over the steering and directing and magically end us up at this homemade ice cream shop. All right. And my dad would be like, I don't know what happened. It just kind of drove here. And of course, we knew he was saying that tongue-in-cheek. He was the one who drove, but because of the emphasis he placed on the car doing the work, that's how we knew it was really him. 
So God's doing the same thing here in chapter 2, verse 3, by trying to deflect all attention from himself by saying it was by chance. We have to reckon with those facts and come to the conclusion, no, God is not working. Uh, this isn't just happening by chance. God is at work here. He's just behind the scenes doing things providentially. We also see that God works graciously. God works graciously in what he does. He didn't have to accept Ruth as one of his Israelites. She was a Moabitess, but he did accept her. He didn't have to give a wife to Boaz. He didn't have to give any credit to Boaz for the descendants of Ruth. Remember, in Leverite marriage, uh, those descendants should technically be Malons. But God overrides that and says, no, they are going to be accounted to Boaz. He didn't even have to give any descendants to Ruth. Right? He provided her with a husband who would take care of her and Naomi, but he blessed her with a child, and this was after 10 years of being married to Malon and not having a child. So we see God's grace there. And then he also just restores Naomi back to a full condition in that she came back to Bethlehem with nothing, but while in Bethlehem, he provided her with everything. So God works providentially and graciously in the book of Ruth. And then we get to Ruth herself. Now with Ruth and with Boaz, they both have a character in the book that contrasts who they are. Someone who we're supposed to look at them both at the same time and say, wow, look at the difference. And with Ruth, she is contrasted with her sister-in-law, Orpah. Now Orpah did not do anything wrong by going and turning back to join her people. Orpah did what was really acceptable, but in contrast, Ruth did that which was commendable. There is a big difference between doing what is okay and what is showing steadfast love. Huge difference. And Ruth, when we look at her in the book, she really is the embodiment of the virtuous woman from Proverbs 31. Now, if you were to look at a Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew uh, rabbis actually took Ruth and moved it to, be, to come right after Proverbs because they saw that connection. This is Ruth. She is living out all these characteristics. And even in chapter 3, verse 11 of Ruth, she is called a virtuous woman. She always does what is expected and right regardless of her own feelings or what it might cost her personally. What do we call that? We call that kindness. We call that steadfast love. And God is going to reward her for the kindness and love that she is displaying in the book. And then we come to Boaz. Boaz is contrasted by the one who's the closer relative. Now, in Hebrew, he is called Poloni Almoni, which is the Hebrew expression for Mr. John Doe. All right? He's not even given a name. Now the author could have, the Holy Spirit could have just called, kept calling him the closer relative, the closer relative. But he calls him Mr. John Doe, Poloni Almoni, in order to emphasize that he purposely is not giving us any information about this man. Why? Because here's the closer relative, Mr. Poloni Almoni, and he wants to protect his own name. He wants to do what is best in his own interest, or as Judges puts it, he wants to do that which was right in his own eyes, instead of right and good in the eyes of God. And what happens to him? 
God rewards him. God rewards him by wiping his name out of history. We have no idea who this man was. Because he selfishly grasped at a name for himself, he lost everything. In contrast, Boaz was willing to give up his name. He was willing to get into this Leverite marriage with Ruth and willing to do what was right and good and proper in the eyes of God in order to help Ruth, even though he knew if any children would come, according to the law, they would be Malon's, Ruth's first husband's children, and they would continue his name. But what does God do with Boaz? He rewards him. God says, no, I am graciously going to intervene, and these are going to be Boaz's descendants. Boaz was willing to give up his name, and God gave him a name that we are still reading about 3,000 years later. Truly remarkable how God chooses to work. And then we get to our final character, and that is Naomi. Now, I want you to seriously consider something, and you can feel free to disagree as you study the book of Ruth, but here is what I want you to, the question I want you to consider. What if the book of Ruth is not actually about Ruth? It's about Naomi. What if the book of Ruth is not actually about Ruth? It's actually about Naomi and what God is doing in Naomi's life. Now, I'm not trying to take away from what we can learn about God through the person of Ruth. I'm not trying to take away from Ruth's position and importance in the Bible as being in the line of the Messiah. All I'm saying is that as God is working in Ruth, in the book of Ruth, graciously and providentially, is he actually providing for the needs of Naomi more so than anyone else in the book? Let me give a few observations. First of all, when it comes to Naomi's position in the book, how often she appears and what she does, she is talked about by name over twice as often as Ruth. Her name is always coming up. I think it's 20 sometimes it comes up, whereas Ruth is only a handful of times. Naomi speaks twice as many words as Ruth. Ruth is doing a lot of action, but Naomi is directing the action by what she says. Now that doesn't prove that Naomi is a major character just based off of numbers. So let's consider something else. How she shows up in the book structurally. In Ruth chapter 1, who is the main character? Who is it that it's all about? It is the story of Naomi. Yes, Ruth appears and has that great um, statement of faith that uh, right there in chapter 1. But Naomi's the one who leaves full. It's Naomi's story of how she lost her husband. It's Naomi's lament in chapter 1, verse 21, that she came back with nothing, and she blamed God for coming back with nothing. But at the same time that she was blaming God, because, yes, she lacked a husband and her two sons, God had already placed by her side someone who at the end of chapter 4, the women of Bethlehem were going to call better than seven sons. What Naomi had in Ruth was better than what she had when Malon, Kilion, and her husband were alive. Then we go to Ruth chapter 4. 
So we have the beginning that's about Naomi. Then we have the end that the end of the book where Naomi is the one who's in focus. So after Boaz takes Ruth and God gives Ruth a child and Ruth births that child, what do the women of the city do? They rejoice that Naomi has a restorer and a nourisher in the child. This is someone who is bringing back a blessing into Naomi's life. And they mention how Ruth... Not that Ruth is blessed, but how Ruth is a blessing to Naomi. Then in verse 17 of the chapter, the women, after Naomi takes Ruth's child and begins to nurse it herself, the women of the city give the child a name and say, There is born a son, a son is born to Naomi. And they call his name Obed, and he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Who is the focus on? It is on Naomi. So that's what the structure shows us. Theologically, as we think about the message of the book, yes, we have this seed theme of Ruth being a Gentile and brought into the nation of Israel, God's special people. But that theme is just in its seed form in Ruth. That's going to be developed much greater when we get to the New Testament. But we do have this major theme that is already running through the historical books that God is working to restore Israel. He's working to provide for the needs of Israel, even though Israel is completely unworthy. And he's going to provide for them ultimately by giving them a king in the King David. And we see that Naomi is a picture of this greater restoration theme that's going through the historical books. And she is someone who was really unworthy. She blamed God for all that had happened. Is that really an expression of faith? No, but God still fills her life with blessing by the end of the book. So you're welcome to disagree with me on that, but at the very least, I'd encourage you, as you read and consider the story of Ruth, pay closer attention to what God is doing in the life of Naomi. So as you read through Ruth, as again, it is just one short read, um, ask yourself this question. In these specific details, how is God working graciously and providentially to provide for the needs of his people? I hope that God will truly teach you some great things, and you will be greatly refreshed as you read through the book of Ruth this year.